This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome in at 6 a.m. Let's get this thing rolling. It is Oklahoma, Texas week. It's a big week for Oklahoma State as they try to bounce back against Kansas State. And it's a big week for Tulsa. If a win there, you go 4-2 and two and have an opportunity to put yourself in a position for a bowl game. And that, my friends, is a big step. Press, of course, over at Arkansas. They're trying to get figured out. It's a college football weekend high school and pro as well at nfl last night we'll get into what happened with seattle and new york i'll tell you this for new york not much for seattle eh, possibly a problem got some major league baseball playoffs beginning today we'll have a breakdown of that coming up a little later on i'll explain that to you and there's a lot of stuff to get into today for instance i don't know if you saw this meme yesterday or not scott file is in the next room i'm rick Corey here as i said right here in the tulsa oilers hockey studio did you see the uh, <laughs> Joe Castiglione, uh, pardon me, not Joe Castiglione, it was the uh, Brett Yormark meme yesterday from Goodfellas. You see that one? No, I must. Uh, no, I missed that one. Actually, I'm sorry, it's from Casino, I believe. Um, so they had the Joe Pesci scene where he believes he's about to become a made man and in a mob and he's all dressed up and they walk in, you know, they walk into the room already and He's ready to go, and the two guys behind him then axe him. You know, he's, they, you know, <clears throat> you know, you want I should whack him kind of a thing. Yeah, you see, Brett Yormark's not going to the Oklahoma-Texas game. Instead, Greg Sankey is going, and that makes great sense. I thought the meme was a little bit, was a little bit harsh, considering it's just them leaving the league. That is all. But I find that whole thing really fascinating and fun. Can't wait to see. You know, if I were Yormark, I'd show up. I absolutely believe it. I'll, we'll get into that a little bit later on today as well. We've got comments from Baker Mayfield on OU Texas Week. We've got a comment from, from Barry Switzer on OU Texas Week. <laughs> this is, a, I'll tell you this one, I remember this. This is from uh, many years ago uh, when they were uh, uh, doing his coaching show and they were going to cut some promos. And uh, this is just where, you know, cameras are, you know, were rolling and, and audio was rolling, but it wasn't on the air. And uh, <laughs> we'll play that one for you a little later on today. Uh, we'll get into the matchup, of course, between those two. And then of, we have our own things to do. We're going to hear a little bit from Mike Boynton today, head, head basketball coach at Oklahoma State. We heard from Mike yesterday, but it was very late in the day. So not everybody would have a chance to listen to that, especially if you had to be at work. So we'll play a little of that at 630 this morning. Also a little bit from Mike Gundy after yesterday. He had his uh, media availability. And, you know, I know that there are people, Scott File, who I'm sure if you're an Oklahoma State fan and you're kind of in, I don't want to say panic mode, but you're certainly trying to figure it out. There are going to be those out there who want Mike Gundy to show more stress, but he just doesn't. He just doesn't. He, stand, he stood there yesterday, and he uh, addressed the media as though it were two days after the Fiesta Bowl. Didn't seem to be any more stressed, any less stressed. Just, you know, answered questions and kind of moved on. He actually said yesterday, you know, it's, it's a little bit faster today. I'm, I'm a little pressed for time, so let's just, just get right to it. And he just started taking questions. They did ask about collectives and NIL. We'll play some of that for you. They asked him about Kansas State. We'll get into some of that for you as well. Specifics of, about them and, of course, about quarterback. And he has confirmed Alan Bowman will start once again in this one. And they ask him about sellouts, uh, which, you know, last Bedlam, you had to, I believe you had to buy season tickets to get the Bedlam game. Wasn't that true, Scott? Yeah, that yeah, that's how it's been for yeah. a decade for a long now, time, whenever right. OSU was hosted Bedlam. Yep, uh, for a long time it's been that way. So, the, you know, that helps. There's no question. 
pardon me, no question. But the, the you know the fans continue to show, and even if they're concerned, they show, and that's a good thing. He'll address that one for us a little bit as well. Plus, today we'll have Scott in this day in sports history. We'll have Bill Blankenship, head football coach at Owasso. You know, I really thought that Mustang game had a chance to be fairly close, and, and they just walloped him. They just put a whooping on him. So we'll talk to Bill about his football team and how much better they're getting. And then the mayor of Drillville himself will check in and see exactly how Scott Hennessy is feeling. Of course, he's still coming. He's still kind of fighting off the uh, cancer and the treatment. We'll see where he stands and how things are going. Last time we talked to him, he was feeling better, which was obviously really nice. Uh, but we want to break into Major League Playoffs tonight. We've got postseason. Rays hosting Texas. Twins, Blue Jays. We've got Diamondbacks, Milwaukee, and Phillies hosting Miami tonight. And uh, Jeremy and I were talking yesterday or the day before, or maybe it was late last week, when we were in at Temple last year, uh, which would have been about the same time that Temple was here, the Phillies were hosting a playoff game. So, you know, we're at the we're at the we're at the, you know, Eagles Stadium for all, you know, that's where the TU game was. And then the Phillies were, you know, what, 400 yards across from us hosting. And so they had the, you know, the little carnival set up outside and then people pulling in. And here we are. It's Tulsa and Temple in the Eagles Stadium and I mean it's just empty, right? <laughs> there's just nobody there. And then you go like 500 yards away and there's this melee of people going to the Phillies playoff game. And then right across the road is the arena for the NBA team and the Smashing Pumpkins were playing. So it was full as well. It was a, quite the scene up there last year at Temple and of course this year uh, when Temple came to Tulsa it was a little quieter. So, uh, Tulsa won that football game of course. Uh, anyway we had a little discussion about that one yesterday and I can't imagine the Phillies are going to have that same kind of festive atmosphere as they host again tonight. So we'll get into some of that as I said the OU Texas game and some of the uh, NFL as well. Plus we'll have you text us at 918-262-5072 It's 918-262-5072 here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. We have tickets to give away to see the Thunder and the Detroit Pistons. There is much to do. Oh, and as when it comes to a football weekend, you know, we're lucky that we get a chance occasionally just to carry games other than the game. And we carry Oklahoma State football, of course, and basketball. You'll hear some baseball here, maybe even some vol- some uh, softball here. You just never know, you know, what we're going to get into when it comes to Oklahoma State sports. you also hear Jinx here, and you'll hear them here on Thursday night. They will take on Norman North, a big game for them, too, especially after the upset. But we get a chance occasionally to do some other cool stuff. Now, our lineup this week includes OSU on Friday. Remember, that game is on Friday, still a sellout, which is really great. 4.30 pregame time, 6.30 is going to be the kickoff. Then, on Saturday the 7th, we have number 12 Alabama at Texas A&M. Oh, yeah. They are lined up for a mile and a half around Kyle Field to get tickets. They, it, it's, it's a, they probably do it like the way other colleges do it. Scott, I mentioned the ticket pull yesterday. I mean, how did they do it at Oklahoma State when you were a student? Uh, well, when I was both at OU and OSU, it was kind of, um, well, okay, well, let's separate football and basketball. Football was kind of, you just buy your tickets, and then whenever you stand in line, that's where your seat was. Basketball, when I was at OSU, that was when Gallagher-Iba was still small, so they had a lottery for buying, mm-hmm. you could buy student season tickets. You had to win the lottery. Uh-huh. Now it's just whoever, it's open to everybody. So, but football, it was... You just pay whatever it costs, which I actually found my student season ticket for my freshman year at OU, and it was $30. <laughs> but that was for a season ticket. That was for a season ticket, yeah. So you stood in line, and you waited before the year, and then you, you got a season ticket that was 
obviously good for all year, but it, you're, how early you were in the line was your placement? No, it was because I'm assuming it's still the same. Student seating is just general admission. Yeah. So, you know, all the stu- all the tickets were general admission. So, like, your seat was wherever you stood in line game day. Gotcha. Okay, I gotcha. Well, I know at A&M they do ticket pulls. So you have to go before every game. And they do it by class. You know, freshmen, sophomores, seniors, you know, and so forth. And so the freshmen last right they're the last right and they're they're going to get the upper level nosebleeds you're right mm-hmm. underneath where the planes land over at easterfield you know that kind of thing easterwood pardon me um and so you know over there you got to be there and it's game by game well oh, so they don't do student season tickets it's no they game they, by do, game? they do okay. them game by game so you got to be there and so the line i mean especially after they they won the way they did convincingly the line immediately started for Alabama. And, you know, it's already hard. And we've been down there before. Um, we were down there once when Bama was there, I believe, because it was parents' weekend, too, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> and, I mean, you couldn't get a hotel in Houston. I mean, it was just ridiculous. College Station Bryan's obviously not very big. You couldn't get a hotel anywhere. I can't imagine what they're scalping people for for hotels right about now. Anyway, we'll have that game right here on the Blitz 1170, October 7th. That is this Saturday, Alabama at Texas A&M at 2. And then on Sunday, we're going to have the New Orleans Saints at the New England Patriots. That one's going to be at 1130. And then... The game that I'm telling you, if you have anything, anything to talk to Jeremy Poplin about, do it before 6 o'clock Saturday, Sunday, because it's Dallas at San Francisco. <laughs> and if you, I don't, you know, other than if, you know, if Lennox has an issue, he'd take care of it. I'm not even sure he'd, you know, if Crystal had, he would. But I'm going to tell you, as soon as that game begins, all bets are off for Jeremy and anybody else who's a big fan of Dallas in San Francisco, and quite honestly, Scott, I'm fascinated too. Absolutely fascinated by that one. That's that's just some of what we've got going on just right here on the Blitz. We want to remind you too, tomorrow we'll honor the best in high school football. It's the Athlete of the Week presented by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma right here on the Blitz 1170. We'll do it right about 8 o'clock tomorrow. All right, it's 610 here on the Blitz 1170 on a Tuesday. Let's get her rolling. We come back, we'll get into the Greg Sankey, uh, Brett Yormark thing. And I, I really think Yormark ought to just show. I think would, I think he should too. I yeah. think it'd be fantastic. We can talk about that. What do you think? Nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. If I'm your mark, I'm not going down without swinging a couple of times. Might even invite Sankey out in the parking lot see if we can do a little one on one. What do you think? Huh? <laughs> okay, Lou Holtz. Yeah. Hey, well, come on, let's go. Right, exactly. You shave Jimmy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do a good Lou Holtz, but it'd be fun. It's the Blitz eleven seventy. It's Tuesday. Stick with us. Let's go get him. It is 617 on this Tuesday drive to work. I'm Rick Corey. He is Scott File here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. So I don't know if you were watching last night or not, but in that giant Seattle game, and there wasn't really a lot to watch, there was a moment in the Manning cast when they took part in the same celebration almost everyone else is these days when it comes to football, and that is T-Swift. Taylor Swift not at this game? I thought she goes to MetLife for all the New York games. Oh. If she was at this game, she left. <laughs> that was Eli saying, I thought she went to all New York games. <laughs> Although it, it was funny because in the stadium, whenever they would show promos for her upcoming movie, they boo. the stadium yeah. just booed mercifully. Right. As a matter of fact, you'll notice there was a story today about how Joe Buck and Aikman refused to say her name the other night on their broadcast. About third quarter, 
I think it was Buck who said, you know, we, there's one thing we haven't said yet. And uh, Aikman just laughed, and Buck said, you want me to go ahead and say it? And Aikman laughed again, and, and they never did. They never even said it. But you knew what he was referring to when they did it as they, uh, I guess, decided that they would just uh, kind of stay away from it. Meanwhile, that game last night, a little bit dreadful. However, Geno Smith, who did look like he got hurt in that second period, was able to come back for Seattle. And by the way, you know, they have started at 3-1, and one, so let's listen to Geno as he talks about how his team has at least gotten off to a good start. You know what, I think we're still getting better as a team. You know, I think overall we've got a lot of room for improvement. You know, I think uh, a lot of guys battled. You know, a lot of guys stepped up. You know, we were, you know, putting offensive linemen in, um, you know, back left and right, and, you know, guys are stepping up, making plays. Uh, the defense played a tremendous game, um, probably one of the best games I've seen them play. Uh, guys stepped up all around. I mean, Witherspoon had a tremendous day. Uh, the defensive line, linebackers, secondary, everybody played a great game, and I think it was a great win for the team. Well, it's a win for the team. I don't know about great because that Giants team's pretty dreadful. It's 24-3. Scott mentioned 11 sacks last night. I mean, that's those are Lawrence Taylor kind of numbers. Otherwise, if you look at the stats in that one, Scott, it, they're really pretty pretty even overall. I mean, neither one of them was a great shakes last night. There was a 97-yard touchdown return on an interception last night as well. And uh, if you're the Giants, you're in trouble. You, you mean, you, you certainly miss Saquon Barkley. As a matter of fact, Daniel Jones was New York's leading rusher last night. All right, here at uh, 620 on this Blitz 1170 start to the day. Let's get into a little bit of Brett Yormark going to the uh, Oklahoma-Texas game. Not that I'm surprised. I mean, after all, they are for all. I mean, we talked about for the last two years them having one foot out the door. And then the reality, Scott File, is they they really had more than one foot out the door. They were going to do, you know, they were going to go to meetings. They were going to be a part of the Big 12. They're going to play. They're going to play the schedule in front of them. But they were in no way going to do anything to help continue promoting the league or, or looking forward, nor should they. It was decided. That's why one of the reasons I think in these situations when it happens, let's just go. <laughs> I mean, I just realize, rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, and... I realize you have media rights and things like that, but don't tell me that you can't get in a room between attorneys and both these you know, power conferences and have some kind of a decision about, all right, we'll take on this and you take on that, and we'll do this and we'll do that. I mean, I realize as the conference loses names like that, it hurts. Uh, and so somebody's got to make somebody whole for the most part, or you just sit around like this. But when you do, I mean, it's the same as if you say, all right, you know what? We are going to get divorced. We're not going to stay in it just for the kids, which in this case, the kids would be Baylor and Texas Tech and, you know, any others in the league. And instead of doing that, we'll, you know, we'll do that. But we're going to we're going to wait. We're going to sit for three years. We're going to tell everybody but we're going to sit here for three years because that wouldn't be uncomfortable at all. Right. That would just be fine. I just can't, can't imagine. Yeah, how... everybody was holding hands, uh, not this past year, but the year before at the Big 12 media days. I mean, there was no tension in the air. No, none at all. When Mike Gundy said, I don't know why they're here. <laughs> he was the only one with the courage to say it, right? All right, so Greg Sankey's going to go, and that's, that makes good sense. And, you know, for his part, you got to feel, you know, your mark is understanding of how business works, and he said he, said he should go. That's his future. He said he should support him. Honestly, though, as Scott and I said, if I were your mark, I'd just show. Now, I'd, absolutely, absolutely, just show up. Now you're not, you know, after what you said at the Texas Tech banquet, <laughs> which was go beat Texas, you're not going to probably get a gigantic welcome in a commissioner's box. But you've got to have, you know, you know, your mark's got a friend out there somewhere. Just show up, just be there. You know, stand by McConaughey on the sidelines or something <laughs> like that, and just be there. And I don't know why to be disruptive. Maybe it's because you know, I don't know. Maybe it's the irony of it. 
there's just something that tells me that it would be fun for him to do that. And other way, you know, and for Sankey to do it, the way I, one of the stories I was reading from On Three said, well, he's going to go play with his new toys, <laughs> and that does make some sense as well. I know this: no matter who shows up, <clears throat> no matter who shows up and watches, I don't care how many McConaughey's are there, none of that matters. It just should be a really good football game. And when you start looking at stats for these two, it gets almost silly at how good these two offenses have been. And we can say all day long, well, okay, so Texas has played Bama at Bama, and that's a really impressive win. Were you even out-physicaled an Alabama team? It honestly isn't quite as physical as they have been, but still, they're really good. And you did it on the road. Right, uh, but they're still really good. But if you look at these two offenses, they are averaging between them 988 yards of offense. Between them. That's what they're averaging. 988 yards of offense. You know, when we talk about holding somebody to a really good offensive number these days, it's 350 yards. <laughs> uh, that's crazy. That used to be a phenomenal day. And now that's, yeah, they were all right. Yeah, they had three. We held them to 350. Brr, what? That's the way it works nowadays. And the passing yards between the two, Oklahoma actually throws for more yards than Texas. Now, part of the reason is Texas found themselves running a really solid running game, too. So they have run it for a few more than Oklahoma. But when it comes to the end of the day, look at this, 319 yards of, uh, of uh, uh, pardon me, 510 yards of offense for Oklahoma, 478 for Texas. Again, silly. Yards allowed, 319 for Oklahoma, 290 for Texas. Now you're, you're allowing 319, and that's, that's really an improvement, right? And 290 is really good nowadays. So these two statistically match up extremely well. There's, there's heat in this one. There always is. And for Oklahoma, after last year, I would think there's also a little payback. You know, it's interesting as I've been watching, I was even saw an old Keith Jackson clip with, you know, Coach Wilkinson who he used to do play-by-play with. You know, Bud was a color guy. And Keith Jackson, it was early Keith Jackson, too, and he still talked kind of loud and fast like that. And he was asking him to describe walking out of the tunnel to Cotton Bowl. And we've heard athletes describe it from both sides, and I mean, you just get your skin crawls when you hear it, doesn't it? I mean, you just get that electric feeling. If you've ever, If you've never been to an OU Texas game, it's a bucket list item. Whether you're a fan of either school or just a college football fan, it's uh, it's it's electric. I mean, you can you can feel the tension, you can feel the hatred. <laughs> uh, yes, because this it, is it, hatred. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a bucket list item. Absolutely hatred. We always talked about how the old Nebraska Oklahoma series was classy, and you know the two fans and the two coaches could have steak dinners the night before, and everybody was fine with it. These two, if you have, they meet the night before, it's in a knife fight or you know or something along those lines. Commerce Street in the old days. I was watching some film. Yeah, you laugh because you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. If you've not been involved in it, Commerce Street in downtown Dallas used to be the place. Uh, and I don't know that they still do that, but that used to be the place. And you go down there the night before, and I saw some film yesterday of a, a Commerce Street, and it was probably you know late 70s, early 80s, just from the way people were dressed. And, I mean, they're literally hanging off walls and things like that down there and the screaming and the yelling in the streets. And, I mean, those are... <laughs> They're just interesting times. And then you've got an early game the next day. So you're wandering through the state fair. Most of these people are still partially hung over. And then you're wandering through all the all the fried foods and things. <laughs> and at a state fair, it always makes for a fantastic setting. Just exactly the whole setting with it, with the cotton bowl there. Um, 
the Cotton Bowl was a dump. It's mm-hmm. it's better now that they did all the the remodel and refurb. Dump, yes. It's it's better. But you have the like you said, you have the state fair there. There's all kinds of trash talking outside the Cotton Bowl and the state fair. There's a lot of trash talking after the game too. <laughs> but it, just the whole setting of it, just everything, you know, the the crowd split 50-50 right at the 50-yard line. Mm-hmm. Just everything about it. It's it's kind it's such a unique bucket list item yeah and i'm sure auburn alabama is i'm sure ohio state michigan is you know i'm sure there are others see, those aren't played at neutral quote unquote neutral, neutral sites. sites right which in in some cases probably makes it even more special when you're at home or a visitor i i get it but this one just has such a history of being where it is and what it is and you know i i, I don't know about you i real yes the cotton bowl and i've broadcast several games there uh, not since they've refurbed it. I, I I was fortunate enough to get to the old Cotton Bowl, which is you're you're right. I mean, it was like the old Orange Bowl. The old Orange Bowl was an absolute death trap. Mm-hmm. Um, so is the neighborhood, by the way. Um, but the and but the Cotton Bowl, the first time I got there, I was just awed because I grew up with OU Texas, right? And so I was just awed at, at, at where I was. And then I looked around and went, wait a minute, this is just because <laughs> it's just so old. But they've done a really nice job, and I'm really glad that's where it remains. I mean, it's where it belongs. Yeah, because there was talk about, you know, maybe possibly moving it to Jerry's yep, World. Or, right. You know, there of course, there's been talk for decades, as long as I can remember, of, of you know, doing Home and Home. Sure. But for that, it belongs in the Cotton Bowl during yep. the State Fair. Absolutely. And if 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 you put money into that stadium solely for this game, so be it. I mean, I'm talking about keeping it up. You know, mm-hmm. I, they don't use it for a lot outside that. You know, I, I don't even know. Do they play high school games there? I'm sure they do. They, I mean, uh, they. You, you think they'd have to for what, kind of what they put money into it. But. That's a lot of money to open that thing up to get you know a couple of thousand people in there, if that. But I, I'm sure they use it for other things. They they must, or they wouldn't have put that money in there. Or or the Oklahoma Texas game is that big a money maker. I'd love to know what the area, what the state fair. What they would say that counts as revenue. I bet we could find that somewhere if we were looking around, or at least estimates of what that would be, of what that game alone is worth to that area, which is makes it worthwhile keeping that stadium functioning just for this game if you need to. And then they have their, you know, they have the, they they do have a bowl game there. Yeah, you know, so I mean, there's a couple of things that go on in there, and I, you know, some I don't know, we're not aware. I mean, they they may have other, you know, junior college or small college games there that we don't even know about. Yeah, I'm sure they do. They have to. I mean, with the, with the amount of investment that they put into that, yep, that's a lot of money for one game. It is. It is. And that neighborhood, too, is one where you don't want to leave your car. <laughs> well, <laughs> no. just take, take everything out of your car, everything, and then just leave the windows rolled down when you go in. That way they'll know there's nothing to take. <laughs> right? The neighborhood can be a little bit tough. The last time I was in that one was an awful, awful Tulsa SMU game where both teams just stunk. They were not good. It was late in the year. It was cold. It was raining. Even my wife left in the third quarter and went to the van and went to the, our old uh, family van and turned it on just to get warm and, and took the kids with her. It was just dreadful. As I recall, the game was, I don't know, it was either 9-3 to three or like 16-3. to three. It was an awful, it was a dreadful game. And I, it was much like the one, the last time I was, well, not the last time, probably two times before I met Rice, when I counted some 75 or 80 people in the entire Cotton Bowl. I mean, that's just, that's an awful feeling. And 
one of the funniest things that happened. Uh, uh, it, you know, if, to pull back the curtain a little bit on some things here before we take this break. When we broadcast games, you have to have specific broadcast equipment. Obviously, there was an old thing called an ISDN line. And an ISDN line was a dedicated line that sounded like a studio line, right, that would go from a broadcast point um, to a studio, say here. And you would you know, broadcast that. Nowadays, things have changed. You know, ISDNs are an old, older technology. But at the time, it was, it was the thing. It was what, all, it's what everybody used. As it began to fade out and phase out, I mean, the VOIP, voice over internet protocol and things like that started to happen. Access units started to happen, which were things that we use now, which can turn phone lines into almost studio quality lines. Those kinds of things started to happen. But as those were fading out, we were at the Cotton Bowl, and it was the last year we used ISDN. And we're and Bruce Howard, my partner, is is known for being very you know, he wants to get to the stadium really early. He wants to get set up really early. And I agree. I get that. So we'll go on Fridays and we'll spend, a, you know, a couple hours and we'll get everything ready. And we'll go very early on, this, on a game day, get everything ready. Well, we're at the Cotton Bowl and the ISDN's not working. And it worked the day before. It worked on Friday. And now it's, now it's Saturday. Now it's game day. And the ISDN's not working. Now we're there plenty early, so it's not a big deal. We're going to call the, you know, call the phone guy, right? Well, it, you know, you get there really early. Phone guy ain't there yet. Right. <laughs> so he, he kind of, you know, it, now we're, you know, an hour and a half before game, which is 30 minutes before pregame. And the, and the phone guy rolls in and he looks like your average phone guy. He's got stuff hanging all over him. Right. He's got wires and clips and things like all over him. Right. And he walks in. He says, yeah, what's the problem? Typical to like one of the, yeah, it's a problem. I had the ice stand doesn't work. And, <laughs> and the guy looked at Bruce and goes, what's an ice stand? <laughs> <laughs> oh God! It was it was an absolute meltdown of little tiny Bruce pieces. <laughs> it was just the face just grew red and what do you mean? What's a nice gym? The guys we don't we don't do that here. Uh, it's a long we got it on the radio. Let's just say, but that's what it was like at the Cotton Bowl the last time I was there. Fortunately, they fixed it up for Oklahoma, Texas, and I cannot wait. Six thirty-two here on the Blitz eleven seventy. That's Scott File. I'm Rick Corey. Love to have your score predictions on this one too. Uh, I'd love to nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. Toss us what you think might happen there. What's the best storyline in this one for you? Uh, just I, you know, there's a ton. You know, which quarterback plays best? As a matter of fact, you might be surprised by who's playing best right now. Many things to cover when it comes to OU Texas. Plus, when we come back, a little bit from uh, Mike Boynton. He is the head basketball coach at Oklahoma State, right here on the Blitz. No matter how you listen, you're going to enjoy it. It is 6:39 here on the Blitz 1170. It is a Tuesday drive to work. He is Scott File. I'm Rick Corey, right here in the Tulsa Oilers Hockey Studio. I want to remind you, we have a way for you to get out to Pumpkin Town Farms for free. 61st and Garnett. That's where Pumpkin Town Farms is. You know the cool place. You drive by and it's all Halloweened up. You know there are pumpkins everywhere. There's a petting zoo. There's the big you know maze you can go through. All that, but it costs to get in there. And on weekends, you can see lots of people are in there. Well, we've got a chance for you to win tickets. Just go right now to theblitztulsa.com, just theblitztulsa.com, and you can win a four-pack of tickets to Pumpkin Town Farms with the Blitz 1170. Oh, Scott File, I know you got one of these. I know you had it. I know you bought a pair of the same shorts Taylor Swift was wearing in the press box on Sunday night, right? No. You did not? <laughs> no. All right, so I'm going to ask something uh, before I answer it because I don't want to put a thought in your head. You saw the pictures, obviously, of her standing there, right? 
Yes. Okay. So she's standing with Blake Lively, who is Ryan Reynolds' wife, and Ryan Reynolds, and then Hugh Jackman was in there, and then Sophie Turner, who is Joe Jonas's ex, soon to be. And then you saw Mahomes' uh, wife, Brittany. It's Brittany, right? Yes, yeah. Br- uh, Brittany. Yeah. Brittany. You saw Brittany sitting down to, right beneath her looking quite bored at Yeah, some one point. of the pictures, yeah. yeah. As a matter of fact, there was one cool meme yesterday that had Taylor whispering to, to Brittany, and, and in the meme it said, why does your husband keep throwing to the other team and not Travis? Because <laughs> <laughs> he had the two picks. Anyway, so she's standing in there in the, short slat, uh, in the shorts. Did you have, when you saw that, did you have any thought popped into your head other than, oh, my gosh, that's Taylor Swift or whatever? <laughs> Honestly, no, I didn't. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Here's my, here was my thought. As I looked at it, I, looked, I thought, those are mom shorts. I mean, you've heard of mom jeans, right? So yeah. I mean, nowadays, when you see someone like that, you don't expect them to wear shorts that look like that. I thought those look like mom shorts, you know, like, you know, traditional kind of mom jeans, mom shorts. Well, they are now completely sold out. This, I guess the beading down, the, you know, the front and on the on the pockets on the side are different or something. At any rate, people went to find those specific pair of shorts, and now you can't find them anywhere. So those mom shorts have sold out completely you cannot find them. So if you were looking, and I know Scott was because Scott desperately wanted a pair of those for his next opportunity to go out and shoot high school football. I think standing out there on a Friday night in high school football wearing those, Scott, you'd look aces. Did you see the 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 price of? I just looked them up. Did you mm-hmm. see what the how much these shorts cost? Go right ahead, tell them. They were the retail was twelve hundred dollars, but mm-hmm. they were fifty percent off the night of the game. <laughs> so still six hundred dollars for a pair. Of denim shorts that you look like you could have cut off any pair of mom jeans and then got a bedazzler and gone to work for what? And you could have done it for what, 30 bucks? Or, or you could pay 600. And today there are people all over the United States and probably further out waiting for that package to arrive with their $600 shorts. And then trying to explain to their significant other why there's a $600 charge on the credit card statement. And that leads to that whole Texas-Oklahoma thing we <laughs> talked about before, right? We're not going to even get into that. All right, at 642, right here before Scott does this day in sports history, let's get a little bit from Mike Boynton, head basketball coach of Oklahoma State. He had a chance to join us yesterday, but it was very late in the show. So with that being the case, we wanted to play a little bit back for those who have to be at work a little earlier, and so maybe you're listening on the way to work right now so one of the first things we talked to mike about was the trip to spain his team took and i asked him what about that trip what 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 did that accomplish for your basketball team well you know it's i think well documented how many new players we have on our team and so one of the most important things that that i wanted to accomplish i believe we did was just to get these guys to know each other um you know we got guys who are coming in here dealing with their first experience at Oklahoma State at different points in their lives. You know, we got a, several freshmen uh, who are obviously coming from high school and, and being the best player on every team they've been on so far in their lives. And then we got a few uh, transfers, uh, one of which is a multi-year transfer in Javon Small from East Carolina, uh, and a couple in Jerry Sicklin and Mike Marsh who just got one year with us, uh, and they're both graduate transfers. And so. You know, blending all those personalities and, and points of life and experiences together uh, so that we can start to figure out if we can be a good team um, as one unit was re- really, really critical. So uh, not just the games and the practices, but just the time together 
uh, was really, really important over the last uh, three months. Is it even easier when you're that far away? I mean, it's one thing to go on a road trip, but to be completely separated like that, everybody has to interact a little bit more. It's a little bit tighter. Does that make it even more important? Yeah, I mean, I think to your point, you're more disconnected from all of your normal comforts, right? Your, your bed, uh, the food you like to eat, uh, the places you like, like to just kind of go hang out. Uh, it's foreign to everybody. Uh, no one really knows where the best places to eat are, so they got to figure it out together. <laughs> and then when they get there, none of them can read the menu, so they got to ask questions <laughs> or they got to try things. Uh, and some of them, I'm sure, go well. Some of them maybe not so well, but uh, it's all worth the experience of you know, just, again, like I said, getting to know uh, the likes and dislikes of each team member so that we can be a great team at the end. All right, Mike Boyne with us, Oklahoma State head basketball coach. If you have a question you'd like to ask him, you can do it at 918-262-5072. You, of course, will hear Cowboy basketball here on the Blitz. Scott? You mentioned the positives that you were looking for out of that European trip, the, you know, the communication, the trust. Now that you've opened practice, you've had practice almost a week now, are you kind of yeah. seeing that kind of come from the team from that trip? Yeah, I mean, one of the things, guys, just the urgency that they know they have to play with. Uh, so one of the benefits of playing the games and the level of competition uh, that we faced over there is we, we, we were able to immediately expose some things that you know we, we would have had to address starting now. Uh, and so we got a few months of a head start on, all right, which units here really do work together? Uh, which guys are really effective in which positions, uh, whether it be a point guard, a guy who's running a team, or a big man who you need to rebound to protect the rim, I mean, in theory, you think you know when you recruit them out of high school, but you don't really know until you get them here and you start talking your language in basketball to them because it's very different depending on uh, the coaching styles and, and, and all that. So I uh, I feel really good that um, that we've got off to a really good start and that our guys starting to understand you know our terminology on offense and defense as well as the tendencies of their teammates. Mm-hmm. You, now that you started that process, you know, you, as you said, a lot of times it goes a little bit slower. We're seeing the blending of of teams. I point to what Dion is doing in Colorado and how he has brought all these guys from the outside. Yet suddenly, quickly, they're unified. That's all. That's in the past been a little bit hard, Coach. You bring in young guys, you got older guys. Now with the influx of the portal and everybody, this is becoming a little more natural. Is it going to be easier to blend teams as we move forward? You think? Yeah, I think people will just get a new level of comfort. Uh, you know, just like most things, change is difficult. Uh, and when you're accustomed to doing something for, you know, some coaches have been coaching for 30 or 40 years and have never had a transfer in their program. And so how do you incorporate a young man who's only going to be with you for 10 months or so? Um, and so the people who are best equipped to adapt usually find the most success early. I think over time, everybody will have to because it's really the only way to survive in, in college athletics, not just basketball, in 2023. Uh, a great example here on our campus is Kenny Gajewski was really ahead of the curve on taking transfers in and figuring out how to be successful with them. Um, we've kind of dabbled in the transfer market, but that is not as much as we have this year with guys that we really expect to make a great impact. We've traditionally done it through the high school ranks. Uh, but now we understand that in order to stay competitive year after year, we have to be very aggressive in a transfer market. And now we're learning how to incorporate those guys and blend that talent with the young, energetic guys who, who are still so excited about everything but don't know anything about anything. <laughs> um, but, but 
but that's just a part of it. And so now you can have a guy like Mike Marsh uh, mentoring a guy like Brandon Garrison. Uh, Mike Marsh turned 24 years old in July. Uh, one of his teammates turns eight, turned 18 the week after he turned 24. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's just the new uh, way of college athletics, and, and, and we're here to see if we can compete in it. Yeah, and you, your point about Mike, and he's also been around so much. He's got so much life experience yeah. in the places he's been. All right, so I know you're only a weekend, and you did have the preview you talked about, but who's jumping off the page at you? Um, I mean, I think I think it's, it's, it's ironic that we just talked about how the young guys don't know much, but I think because of the trip and, and their experience with us this summer, they've been able to pick up things and practice quicker. And so we're moving – faster than probably we ever have. Uh, we need, when you have this many freshmen, you know a few of them have to play. <laughs> I mean, so it's just a matter of making sure that they're up to speed. So I, I've been really impressed with Connor Dow uh, as one of the freshmen who probably maybe the least um, known commodity, even though he's an in-state kid. Good morning, uh, country's biggest legends, uh, big country. Guys, but he's really smart. He picks up things really fast. Uh, and he can really shoot the basketball, which is always a, a, a equalizer in this game, no matter how young you are. Um, and for my older guy, Javon, Mar- uh, Javon Small, uh, point guard here from East Carolina, is, is a guy who I've been really, really pleased with in terms of his ability to, to own what we do and start taking ownership uh, and making his teammates better. That's Mike Boynton from Oklahoma State and a little bit of country as well in there tossed in. Uh, I'm Rick Corey. That is Scott File shaking his head in the other room. We're both in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studios. If you'd like to get that conversation with Coach, you can find that on our social media. You can find that in our app. Uh, you'll be able to get to access it. He gets more into the season. and He was actually in, he was in a great mood, too, so we had a great time with Coach Boynton, and you can find that right now at the Blitz 1170. I want to remind you, the Dallas Cowboys will play at home on Thanksgiving. Isn't that traditional? They'll play Washington. That's even better. The Commanders and the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, and we have a way for you to win tickets. All you have to do is go to theblitztulsa.com to find out more, but I'll make it simple for you. We've got tickets and $500 spending cash, and it would be really easy for you to sign up by going out and seeing Pop and Colby, the guys who do the show from 3 to 6 in the afternoon, and you will find them over at River Spirit Casino on Thursdays. They'll be at the Scoreboard Sports Bar. You can wander in right there. They're going to have a way for you to sign up right there, and you can get all those details once again Cowboys tickets to play the Washington Commanders on Thanksgiving in Dallas, plus $500 spending cash. Go to theblitztulsa.com. Matter of fact, why don't you warm the thumbs up and do that right now? It is 6.58 on the Blitz 1170. He's Scott File laughing at me. I'm Rick Corey. We're in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio where we want to remind you we have an opportunity for you to win some tickets to see the Dallas Cowboys. Here's a good reason for you to warm up those thumbs right now. Just text the word Dallas right now to 918-262-5072. It's 918-262-5072. Text the word Dallas, and you are signed up to win a pair of regular season tickets to see the Cowboys. It's simple like that. And if you want another way to do it, go out and see Pop and Colby on Thursdays out when they do the show at River Spirit Casino at the Scoreboard Sports Bar. And you've got a QR code out there you can scan, and that will sign you up as well. So simple. Just text the word Dallas right now to 918-262-5072. You hear the Cowboys here on the Blitz. And as a matter of fact, this Sunday night, 6 o'clock pregame, It is Dallas and San Francisco right here on the Blitz 1170. Coming up in about 50 minutes, that's 5-0. 
Bill Blankenship, head football coach at Owasso, a little high school football, and Scott Hennessy, manager of the Drillers at 8.30 this morning as he'll talk Major League Baseball playoffs with us. Right now, though, time for us to turn Scott loose. Scott File has so many things filed away in his brain, he has to let some of it out to keep his head from exploding. He lets it out once a day with This Day in Sports History on the Blitz 1170. Seriously, the dude is like the History Channel, the rain man of sports trivia. All right, let's start our journey this Tuesday morning in the year 1884 at the British Open at Prestwick Golf Club. Jack Simpson wins in windy conditions by four strokes over fellow Scotsman Douglas Douglas Rowland and Willie Fernie. One year later at the British Open, this time at St. Andrews, Bob Martin wins his second championship by one stroke over fellow Scotsman Archie Simpson. 1897, Cap Anson closes out a remarkable 27-year career to start it in the National Association in 1871. He hits two home runs against St. Louis at the age of 46. He becomes the oldest player to ever homer in the big leagues. 1904, Christy Mathewson of the New York Giants strikes out 16 Cardinals in the 3-1 Giants win. His 16 strikeouts set a new record as he finishes the game in just one hour and 15 minutes. 1919 at the World Series, rookie pitcher Dickie Kerr throws a three-hit shutout as the Chicago White Sox win 3-0 over the Cincinnati Reds. Shoeless Joe Jackson has two hits, and Chick Gandel drives in two runs as the White Sox cut Cincinnati's World Series lead to 2-1. to one. Cuban Dolph LeCue becomes the first Hispanic player to appear in a World Series game, pitching one inning of relief for the Reds. 1920, the American Pro Football Association, which would later become the NFL, plays its first full round of games as the Dayton Triangles beat the Columbus Panhandles 14-0 in the first official game at Triangle Park in Dayton. 1936, the New York Yankees set a new attendance record of 64,000 in Game 3 of the World Series at Yankee Stadium. 66,000 would show up the following day for Game 4. The Yankees would win the series against the New York Giants 4-2. in the World Series, Jimmy Ripple's two-run homer in the third inning of Game 2 provides a winning margin as the Cincinnati Reds end the National League's 10-game series losing streak with a 5-3 win over the Tigers. 1942, New York Yankee shortstop Frank Cressetti shoves umpire Bill Summers in Game 3 of the World Series. He is fined $250 and suspended for the first 30 days of the 1943 season. 1951, the shot heard round the world. Bobby Thompson hits a three-run home run off Ralph Branco, the Brooklyn Dodgers, with one out in the bottom of the ninth to give the New York Giants a dramatic 5-4 playoff victory and the National League pennant. Also in 51, CBS TV airs the first coast-to-coast telecast of a prize fight. This Australian light heavyweight Dave Sands outpoints Carl Bobo Olsen in 10 rounds at Chicago Stadium. 1953 at the Ryder Cup at Wentworth, Sam Snead wins six of seven matches to lead the U.S. to its sixth consecutive cup win, six and a half to five and a half over Great Britain. 1965, Whitey Ford notches win number 232 in the season-ending 11-5 victory over the Boston Red Sox. He becomes the Yankees' winningest all-time pitcher. 1970, the first umpire strike in Major League history, lasts one day during the league championship series. AL and NL presidents recognize the newly formed MLB Umpires Association and negotiate the labor contract. 1971, American tennis star Billie Jean King becomes the first female athlete to win $100,000 in prize money in a single year when she wins the $4,000 Virginia Slams tournament in Phoenix. 1972, Rorick Harrison homers 
as Baltimore beats Cleveland 4-3 in the second game of a doubleheader. Now, why is that noteworthy? Well, with the DH on the horizon, it will be the last home run hit by an American League pitcher until American League play or interleague play 25 years later. Also in 72, future Baseball Hall of Fame left-hand pitcher Steve Carlton wins his 27th game as Philadelphia beats the Cubs 11-1 at Wrigley Field. Almost half of Philly's 59 wins were won by Carlton. 1974, 39-year-old Frank Robinson becomes Major League Baseball's first African-American manager when he signs as a player manager for the Cleveland Indians and agrees to a one-year contract estimated at $180,000. 1976, Hank Aaron singles in his last Major League at-bat and drives in his 2,297th run as the sixth-place Brewers lose to the Tigers 5-2. 1981, after a year's inactivity, American boxer Mike Weaver outpoints countryman James Quick Tillis in 15 rounds in Chicago to retain his WBA heavyweight title. 1989, the Oakland Raiders promote 42-year-old Art Shell as the first African-American to be an NFL head coach in modern times. He takes over for Mike Shanahan. 1990, George Brett of the Royals becomes the first player in big league history to win a batting title in three different decades. Brett goes one for one in Kansas City's 5-2 loss to Cleveland to win the American League batting title with a 329 average. Brett also won AL batting titles in 76 and in 1980. In 1990 as well, Willie McGee becomes the first big leaguer to win a batting title in a league in which he didn't finish the season. McGee, who had a 335 batting average when St. Louis traded him to Oakland on August 28th, wins his second National League batting crown with Dave Magadan of the Mets fails to catch him on the season's final day. 1995, one of those where were you when moments when former NFL running back, broadcaster, and actor O.J. Simpson found not guilty in the murder of Nicole Simpson Rod Goldman in Los Angeles. 1997, Carolina Hurricanes lose the NHL franchise's first home game 4-3 against the Penguins in Greensboro. Also in 97, the NHL played games outside North America for the first time as the Vancouver Canucks beat the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim 3-2 in Tokyo. In 2004, the final game in Montreal Expos team history is played away from home against the New York Mets at Shea Stadium. New York beats Montreal 8-1. Jamie Carroll scores the final Expos run, and Andy Chavez becomes the final Expos batter when he grounds out in the top of the ninth to end the game. Ironically, it was at Shea Stadium that the Expos played their first ever game in 1969 and finally 2015 max scherzer of the nationals pitches the second no hitter of the season two nothing over the mets he also strikes out 17 he's only the fifth pitcher in the first since nolan ryan in 73 to throw two no hitters in one season 17 k's also set a new nationals team record and tie ryan's record for the most in a no hitter happy birthday today to hall of fame blackhawks goalie glenn hall he's 92 today Hall of, Fame, Hall of Fame Yankees and Padres outfielder Dave Winfield is 72. Hall of Fame A's closer Dennis Eckersley is 69. And golfer Freddie Couples is 64 today. And that's a look at this day in sports history. It's a busy day. It is 6-0, or pardon me, 7-0-6 here on the Blitz 1170. Scott File and Rick Corey as we take a look at things that are not sports, but are around sports, if you will. Nobody won the Powerball last night, so... You want to get yourself back out there. $1.2 billion. That what That's what we're up to. 
Last time the jackpot was uh, in a multi-state lottery game one was in July, so we're $1.2 million. Next drawing will be on Wednesday, so you have a little bit of time, but you better plan it out because you know what's going to happen. There are going to be a whole lot of people who are going to be standing in line for those tickets. This was... um, it's one of those things where you sit around and you think to yourself of all the things you would do with that money and then realize, yeah, you have a better chance of winning an Olympic medal than you do winning this. So with that being the case, I don't know. I've been training, though. Have you? Yeah, you're still – Scott's still after that medal for curling, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Uh, it, by the way, the whole Taylor Swift thing, this is kind of around sports. Now it's actually um, become a betting thing. They are DraftKings and some several well, others are going to be talking about you know what their their record are like. As a matter of fact, the NFL briefly yesterday had a stat that the Chiefs are two and zero as Swifties, and they quickly took that stat back down later on. But they did have this stat about that, so as you can imagine, that will continue now about whether she's there, whether she's not there, whether she brings people. Yeah, we're going to end up in that situation as well. We uh, also, uh, but one more, one more Taylor Swift note. We'll yeah. find out if she's a true Ke- uh, Travis Kelsey fan, whatever they're involved. When the Chiefs play the Broncos twice in three weeks, now if mm-hmm. you go watch that dreadful Broncos team, that many times. That's true love. <laughs> you know, maybe she doesn't know enough about it yet to know, right? And and who knows? Maybe she's taken with Sean Payton or something along those lines. Maybe she saw the Kevin James movie that was about Sean Payton and his life, if you will. At any rate, uh, firefighters getting called out to a lot of things this Halloween season. One of them turns out was nothing more than a decoration. In Glen Falls, New York, they got calls about a house being on fire, and they got there and looked on the inside. And it was just all Halloween decorations. And it did, for all the world from the outside, look like the entire house was on fire. The dead giveaway would be there was no smoke or anything coming out of anything. There were just lights flickering on the inside. However, it did kind of look like that. Uh, also, here we go. We uh, once, once again, we're calling people um, or telling people, you know, be careful when you call 911. So a guy in Florida kept calling 911. He just kept calling. Yes, of course. Kept calling, kept calling, kept calling. And the reason he was calling is because he wanted them to deal with an argument between him and his neighbor. And the cops came out, but they couldn't deal with it. And they said, hey, you guys just figure it out. And they left. So he called 911, and he continued to do it over the next two days consistently. He did it hundreds and hundreds of times. And during one of the calls, they said, would you like me to charge you with misuse of 911? And he said, yeah, sure, go for it. So they arrested him. So he can't call. Well, actually, he got one phone call. I wonder if that was to 911. I had to know. I I do not know. But this might be an uh, an instance. All right. Now, if you've ever gone fishing and thought to yourself, man, today is the day. I'm going to get that big catch today. Fisherman got to do that in Camden, Tennessee. His big catch was a bomb. He pulls something up. A literal bomb. Exactly. An absolute real. Yeah, not the Broncos. (laughs) Not the Bears. A bomb. It was made of a a process called, or or a a substance called Tannerite. Had a fuse attached. It didn't go off. So the guy calls the, uh, you know, the sheriff's department. Sheriff's department comes out and they shot it three times trying to get it to blow up. And it never would. It was too waterlogged, apparently, to blow up. But they did eventually get it to do so. However, the details of how they did were kind of unworn, uh, unknown. At any rate, if you happen to catch a bomb, you should definitely call the sheriff. I don't think there's any question about that. You know what? In that case, you can call 911. <laughs> 
right? Yes. We're big fishermen. But you're still called 280 times or whatever it was. We're big fishermen and fisherwomen around here, but a bomb, no, that might be a little different. It is 710 on the Blitz 1170. He's Scott File. I'm Rick Corey. That's just a look around sports, if you will. All right, so we still have to come this hour. Bill Blankenship, the head football coach at Owasso, he will tell us about his football team and that nice win over Mustang. And at 830 this morning, Major League Baseball playoffs with Scott Hennessy. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.